do you ever wonder why we're here on yeah, this Yeah, why Earth, are we here? In this universe with all these people doing this podcast. I don't. I, I often wonder about it. I did many times. Okay, good. I'm glad we're all clear on that. Super clear. <laughs> so basically, it's four nerds and an absent friend, right? Like, Varner is never here, but he counts. He's in our hearts and our minds and our chats. Just yeah. talking about a, a lot of, you know, software engineering stuff, I guess. Yeah, yeah this is started the... with something called Pedro's Questions. Actually. Yeah, as me. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh what? I, I don't remember. It was there was a day when you had like several questions in a row and Kieran I think it was, was like, several days in a row. Days. Uh, yeah, days it, well, no, it was several several days and then there was one day when there were a lot of questions and Kieran was like, "Okay, that's enough." Now it becomes the podcast and or a podcast and now we have the <laughs> podcast. Yeah, and it made a lot of sense because it's a lot of stuff that, you know, there's so much out there um, about these things because it's like team building, microservices, DevOps, which, you know, Maxime, that's a particularly, that's a particular <laughs> bugbear for you. Uh-huh. But we had so much to say always, right? Like, that's the thing. Every single time I would come up to the, to, to the chat and I'd be like, okay, so here's the thing that I'm thinking about. Here's you know, what I think about it and uh, what are you guys' thoughts? And we would have these amazing conversations on, on WhatsApp and it just felt like there was still a lot more to say. So it would make sense to blog about it or because it's 2020 podcast about it. Yeah. yeah. Also like before Corona times, we were actually meeting quite often, like meeting together and talking about these things. And yeah. That like this time it was on WhatsApp just because we weren't meeting each other as often. Yeah, it's good to remind that we all work together at some point as well. So that's we how did. we know each other. Exactly. And uh yeah, eventually everyone went to different jobs and but we kept we kept the friendship and the chat on WhatsApp somehow. And then there was a lot of questions from Pedro because I think he joined a new job at some point. And it was like you know, guys, I have these topics and they're interesting and complicated to solve. And I think we can discuss about it. Yeah. And Kieran came and said, yeah, let's do a podcast about it. And that's it. Anyway, yeah, this episode of friendship. the Critical Channel is sponsored by WhatsApp. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> Aren't clearly. we doing a premature so. Q&A episode? <laughs> that's, that's what it feels like. <laughs> it's like unasked questions are answered here. <laughs> Just to go through uh, a handful of the, the variety, the grab bag of topics that Pedro has given to us here. We have uh, microservice chaos. Uh, it, the quote that I've written down for this one is, whenever someone's out sick, Jesus takes the wheel on our infrastructure. <laughs> um stand-ups for which i think i may have accidentally written a novel as a response oh yeah i remember that getting on boarded the boundary between dev and ops which we spoke about on an episode that will never be released to nope. the public ever <laughs> no <Nope>, yeah never <laughs> sprint planning while remote how do you choose a new technology, burnout, monitoring, alerting, and will Italo ever learn how to use the option select in HTML? Nope. Oh, no, that's not <laughs> going to happen. Actually, oh, wow. I have a confession to make. Last week, I was on W3 schools again. <laughs> yeah, trying to figure it out how HTML works. Hey, listen, I want you to know that we appreciate your openness. Thank you. <laughs> we appreciate it's your, embarrassing, but I your trust contributions you to front-end development. Oh, yeah. The, the whole world will remember me. The true full-stack developer right here. Yes. Uh, I think Kieran still has a picture of me actually on, on the website looking the option, the option yeah, properties. It's it my, was great. It's my desktop wallpaper. Oh, God. It was great. Great times. I mean, I, I was I was teaching you 
JavaScript then. It didn't stick, but I tried. Uh, no, no, it, it didn't. Yeah, it's your fault. That's it. <laughs> So we're learning that it's surprisingly difficult to make a podcast. I mean, this is a, our, what, third recording session? I mean, it's fourth if we count the, like, three hours that we spent today already, and then someone's browser crashed and lost all the audio. Guess who? <laughs> Just guess who? It's the JavaScript guy. JavaScript exactly. ha hates me. That's it. The website yeah. simply chose to not work anymore. And he said, yeah, you know what? You don't know JavaScript. You don't know HTML. I'm not going to work for you. Yeah, the stupid Maybe thing did, did even crash correctly. It just it just didn't save anything. It's just like, <laughs> hey, here's the shit. And then there was nothing. Maybe you should <laughs> enable, line. enable JavaScript. <laughs> enable cookies. <laughs> <laughs> it might help, just saying. <laughs> Yeah, God. Uh, no. Yeah, but yeah, but it 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 is surprisingly hard. Also, just figuring out what to talk about, what the agenda is, and how to things flow. Because it's so easy when you just get together, you go for coffee, you start talking about stuff, and a lot of it is like, oh yeah, this sure this would have made a nice podcast or this would have made a nice article. But when you actually sit down to talk about something, and you're supposed to talk about something, all of a sudden. It's just a block, you know? Yes. And then the microphone doesn't work properly. And then the browser crashes <laughs> and then someone's internet uh, goes away. And then a cat walks over the keyboard or something. So, you know, massive, massive respect to all of those people who actually managed to successfully publish a single episode of anything, let alone an entire <laughs> series. But... But yeah, like the idea here is basically that we are a few people from tech who have been around for a while. We have opinions, we have, we've seen things, we've done things, and we have we've all these some shit, questions and oh, the things it. we've done. Yeah, the things <laughs> we've done, the things we've seen, the databases we've dropped. Uh, and then... <laughs> And then it's really cool that we, that we are all friends and we can lean on each other's experience so that we're not solving problems on our own, but we're also, uh, you know, leveraging all that experience. And I mean, I personally feel super privileged to be, to be here with you guys. I mean, uh, we've all come such a long way in the last five years, especially, uh, since we all met at HelloFresh. Um, and it's great. I mean, it feels great to, 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 to work through problems with you, see what you guys think and, uh, bounce my ideas off of you and just learn from you. So, you know, super happy to be here. I mean, right. same. I, I As love a gentleman, deep... Pedro. Yes, I love this deep reflection. And now it's my time to say this episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. It truly <laughs> no, it's is. Not. It's not. Oh, wow. <laughs> we could probably... We could probably <laughs> Where did that. that come from? In all honesty, we could probably, we could probably do that. No, Google, stop. <laughs> Hold on, is it your cat meowing or is it is it Kieran's Google? I have a cat who's meowing right now. Because I heard uh, the cat first and then Kieran went like Google stop. So that was confusing. No, also <laughs> Fiona's making the podcast. Yes. Hey Google, what sound does a cat make? <laughs> oh god, no, I don't believe this word. No, ask it ask it what does the fox say? No, that's, I'm, no, that's no, the cool no, no. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, also, I'm British. You're not going to catch me out with that. One. <laughs> I know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you're wearing headphones. We could have just done "Hey Google" to you, but I, I think oh, yeah, everything. That, that would apart be from apart from muting the stupid thing, I thought of everything. I should just mute <laughs> the thing. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, also, speaking of like funny stories while recording podcasts, I started turning to this German podcast. Some guy just randomly decided to teach people German and this podcast is really good and there is a PDF attached to every episode and he speaks in German, like no English whatsoever. And there are some good topics. So he tells a story and then he goes and takes specific words and explains to you what the meaning of those words is like word by word everything in german super helpful so the 
the first episode, like first 20 minutes or so, he just tells you who is he, why is he doing this, what his setup is and everything. So at some point he says that he is lying in his bed or like sitting in his bed under the blanket with his iPad recording the podcast. What? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, actually being covered with the blanket removes all the echo and it makes for the beautiful oh, sound. Oh, that actually makes sense. Yeah, I, it just tells I, you how, how, how few tools you actually need. I got my dad uh, a little microphone with a lightning or whatever it is connector on it to plug into his iPad because I was just... It's, it's hilarious, actually, since quarantine started. I've... I mean, I live in a different country to my parents. There's been nothing stopping me from having video calls with them for the past four and a bit years that I've been here. And yeah, it's only since quarantine that I've started having like regular weekly video calls with my parents. And it's just so stupid from like from that point of view, nothing has changed. But I guess that's just that's just life, right? Yeah. But true. I got so Yeah, just the mindset changes. Exactly, yeah. But because we've all been playing with audio gear, I got so fed up with the audio quality that I, I mean, it was Father's Day, um, what, like last month. And I just bought my dad a, a little like lightning microphone for his iPad because I just couldn't hear his like built in microphone anymore. It was too, <laughs> it was too much. I've become an audio snob. It, the one thing I swore I would never be. And and that's me now. Next up is gold-plated cables and flak audio. And oh wow! Yeah, please don't go there. Like being being audio <laughs> snob is one thing. Being an audiophile is the next level. But being audio fool is the greatest achievement. Please don't don't <laughs> don't go there. It's actually funnily enough. So. I mean, this this is a, a funny story, but it starts with a very serious note. So a, a few months ago, um, my grandfather sat, sadly passed away. Uh, and, you know, he was I was very close with him, so it was very sad. And with quarantine, I've not been able to go back or anything. So I haven't even... I had to attend his funeral over Zoom, which was the weirdest thing in the world. Um, but he was always kind of a tech hoarder. I imagine that might be where I get some of this from. Um, when my parents were clearing out his stuff, um, they found uh, 16 different bookshelf speakers. So 16 pairs of bookshelf speakers. So 32 speakers oh, wow. total. Wow. Uh, some of them were just insane, like thousand pound speakers, like insane quality, really, really good speakers. The thing is the only stuff he had hooked up in his room to all these speakers were tape decks so he was playing like scratchy old <laughs> like 90s tapes through this like insane audio equipment is i just i didn't realize i knew we had a lot of gear i just didn't realize it was any good you know i just kind of assumed that he had like old stuff because he was playing tapes through it right and it's only after like my dad sending me pictures of what he's got going hey can you just google this and see like if this is worth me putting on ebay or something and i'm like what the hell? <laughs> Send this over. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, what was it? Uh, Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. How they looked <laughs> up the the guns and they were like, "Whoa!" Yeah. Oh man, it's been a long time since since I watched that. I should rewatch that. But uh, yeah. I mean, this is the thing is like, um, I actually, I've unfortunately. Wow, I'm actually going on topic here. I've unfortunately become the security guy, scare quotes, at work. Um, just for oh, lack wow. of anyone else to worry time about. Time to run away, Kieran. I know. that That's the time. What does no, that but, mean, though, being the security guy? Well, in, in our context, right, we, we work very closely with, uh, with a partnership with Airbnb. And we need to um, prove the data security integrity of, of Airbnb's data they sent to us as part of that contract. So I can't go like super too much into that, but there's like certain audits and things that they do to make sure we're like reasonably secure. It's all, it's none of it's like crazy. It's all, it's all pretty sensible. Um, but I was having a, a, a conversation with their 
I think is a consultant or something. I'm not sure, but with, with the, the guy that we have as a contact over there. Um, and some of the stuff he's asking for is like, oh yeah, we want to make sure your, your data is encrypted uh, at rest in your MySQL database. Okay, great. But we have a replica set and the bin logs are not encrypted. So <laughs> therefore, even if the data is encrypted in the table files, it's it's not encrypted over tra- over replication transport. That's obviously something that we have to fix, but um, it it wasn't even possible in MySQL until quite quite recently. So we need to do upgrades first and everything. Yeah, but you can it's always funny, encrypt like, your hard drive, like regardless of whether MySQL yeah, supports it. I know, it. I know, I know. But <laughs> um, it's just funny that the like. The requirement is such a screen door lock. It's 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 like one of those Japanese houses that's made out of paper, and then you put like twelve hundred padlocks on the door, and then someone just kind of goes do 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 straight through the wall. There's it, exactly like with my granddad's uh, audio equipment, like crazy speakers, crazy amps and preamps and all sorts, and then he's just running a like an old eight track through it i mean yeah, yeah. look look at oh, that's us. the case with a with lot of uh, compliance requirements oh yeah also that yeah a lot of gear and then we can't make it, it is work. I, th- I feel like there's there's probably a topic on compliance somewhere a scary one that i don't really want to <laughs> compliance i actually i would listen to you italo and uh, and Max just talk about that. I would just sit back, and you guys can. Oh God! <laughs> if, oh God! Oh, yeah. If uh, I have things to talk about compliance. Yeah. Also, the first thing I think we might. Yeah. Even if we ask you to sign some NDA and other things, we won't be able to tell you everything. Yep. At least not on record, unfortunately. That's all right. No, we'll ever listen to this but i can i can definitely tell you some of the stupid things they ask for uh that apparently makes sense for somebody but it's just stupid and we have to do it can you name one like now or if (laughs) it like something that is not super super secret so there is one thing that is ridiculous i mean or at least it doesn't match our agile processes, let's call it like this. Oh, right? nothing there matches that. <laughs> I mean, they aren't agile at all. That's how they do security. <laughs> oh God. I remember, I remember I was talking to one of the regulators and uh, they have this QMS system, right? They have this quality management system. Oh, oh this is your worst enemy, guys. Like this oh God, thing Italo just named, this is like your it's biggest nightmare. So they said, look, you have to document your whole deployment process in paper, not, I mean, on Confluence. And every time you want to deploy something, doesn't matter what it is, you have to fill this form and attach to the document. Like and, a paper and form? And then I'm like, I mean, Confluence extra paper form. Yeah, it's like oh, a checklist, like an additional page. It's a checklist. And yeah. you... Uh, mark all the items and you attach this to the page so here's yeah. my process and hey here on date x i actually followed my process and here's the proof of that which is the yeah. checklist exactly so and i was like look we have about 75 microservices we deploy per week about 200 to 400 times do i have to record 200 to 400 times and he said, yeah, pretty much. And I'm like, what the f... Why? And then it's not even recording. At the very end, you still have to have a like this, this report from your testers, from your QA, saying, yeah, we covered everything. We did regression. And here's the attached form saying that we did this. And here's the result. And that's how we release it. For, why? Nobody looks at this. They look at this paper like once a year yeah that's the you can't also standard say the number covered, of which i forgot you covered everything right you, like, yeah, yeah in but, theory but, you but, could yes yeah but here's the thing like with covering you're not supposed to cover everything it's uh yeah you might remember this 
like way back in the day, Nuna at HelloFresh gave a talk about what the, IT the audit is and tool. what it is yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sort of a lighter version of what Italo and I have because we're like working with, uh, first it's health-related data and second, since that time, uh, some things get even more strict, like all the GDPR changes, yeah. but it, that, that still applies to HelloFresh. Health doesn't, but the stricter GDPI rules still apply, GDPR rules. So what Nuna said that time, it was a very, very simplified explanation of what is going on. And what is going on is this. You go to the auditors and they tell them, hey, I am following this standard that requires me to do A, B, and C. And I'm also doing D because my internal process requires me to do so. Then they come back in a year and they make sure that you are doing A, B, C, and that D that you also said that you're going to be doing. That's all there is to it. Yep. It sounds very simple, but it takes your sleep away and makes yeah. you <laughs> want to quit your job and kill people and oh, God, do all so kinds terrible. of horrible things. <laughs> It's so terrible, seriously. Like, fortunately, like QMS is the yeah, worst. For, for the case that Italo described, there are ways to uh, sort of sort of automate this and then uh, make them sort of like your system. It's not that you're making yeah. them liking it; it's it should conform to the standard. And the problem with that is there are some systems that are validated. Validation means like you have, let's say. Uh, visual code studio that thing mm -hmm. uh, is validated to create programs by like coding them in in so that's the tool that allows you to create code does that mean does that mean you're like stuck to using that particular editor so if you say yes. like we're certified to use vs code and then you go like change a line of it, it, it's no, no, no. It's then. sort of the, the opposite way. Like when you have this tool, and when it's validated already, you can just tell, "Hey, I'm using this tool, and it's okay because it's, it. it's 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 yeah. validated." Validated means uh, sometimes even the stupid page on the website of the vendor saying that, "Hey, this is the tool to do X," and if you say, "Oh, I'm doing X, and I'm using this tool," and here's the website from the vendor that says the tool is doing X, cool. Yeah, the only thing, if you want to use a tool that is not validated, then you have to run a risk assessment to do it, which takes forever. And you have to talk to the vendors and you have to make sure there's, you know, all the CVEs are actually disclosed to you and then you have to see if they are going to solve it. It's just a lot of things going let, on. Let me tell you something that you all would love here as like software developers. That's amazing. Let's see if Italo agrees with me. How amazing is that? So uh, because we're talking about software development, there is a standard and I think it's called ISO 64302 or 62304. Mm -hmm. I keep forgetting. I think it's 4302. Actually, hold on. Let me... Let me look it up because so. I'm curious. You said 60, yeah, 62304. That's the one. Right. Yeah. So that is about medical device uh, Regulation. software or software lifecycle processes. Basically, the standard dictates you uh, how software for medical devices should be developed. And obviously, the SLC every... that you have to use to build. Hmm? So it it's saying obviously it's like auditing stuff. So it's saying okay, you have to have a no, no, no. The, this, this standard. Phase. This standard is not auditing. Standard is just telling you how the software should be developed, so the end result would be safe enough to use in a medical device. Mm -hmm. The standard is obviously very vague, because if it would have been too specific, it would be pretty much impossible to apply to so many different uh, medical devices and different companies there. But because how vague it is, you're in a lot of trouble to figure out how this vagueness actually, well, does your process matches that? Or if it doesn't, how do I adjust it and everything? So it covers a lot of things there. Two main things that you need to know now is that there is software 
that you are developing and it's supposed to be developed according to this process. If you need to use some other software in order to make your software work, not the developing tools, think third-party components. Those components should also be uh, pretty much software developed following the same development practices, basically following the same standard. And they do have to have records of this development being done with all the proofs, blah, blah, blah. And you ask, what about open source? Aha, so open source things and all the things for which uh, there are either no development records or such records are lost, all the things are called SOUP, which stands for Software of Unknown Provenance. Basically, some piece of software you got from somewhere and no one knows anything about it. And because it's so unsafe, because there is pretty much no information about it, you need to do a lot of things, but among the most annoying ones is this. For each piece of software, think every third-party dependency, meaning every NPM package, every Python <laughs> dependency, but not... Not the next level dependency, just the first level ones, the, the one that you require. You are, thankfully, you don't have to go in. You have to go find to, all the way down to Yeah, the you don't have to go part. deeper. But and, isn't that useless for NPM, where each package imports the whole internet? Uh, yeah, yeah that's, that's what I'm getting to, pretty much. So for each of these, you have to have uh, functional and performance requirements. Functional requirement is basically like, what the hell you need this for like what is this that your application is doing that needs this package and then there is a performance requirement and then for each of these you need to provide uh, their vendor the bug tracker or something of this kind and uh, and then something else and then you for the whole application for your app this time because it's a uh, a medical device you have to run through the process that is called uh, hazard analysis basically you take all your software requirements which is another big thing that you need to have but for now for everything you need to have a software requirements so you take your requirements and then you basically say Let, let's take something simple that users must be able to log in into the app boom easy and then you say Okay, so hazardous situation is users are not able to log into the app. And then this leads you to a hazardous situation. You basically tell like what will happen if they aren't able to log in. This case is simple. You just say, oh, they are not able to log in. Most of the time they won't have access to these features that are dangerous or risky. So they wouldn't get any feature. Basically, they aren't using your medical device because they aren't able to log in. So this is cool and easy. And you do this for every software requirement. But now imagine doing the same thing for a component that let's say, I don't know, something stupid like, okay, L-Trim is a joke, but uh, I mean, NPM might have that. Or there is a the module that, I don't know, does regular expressions. So, and then you assume that the stupid component is broken which means that your app will not have regular expressions anymore. Then you have to go through every bit that has regular expressions used and you have to make sure that you know what will happen and if that's something that will happen might cause any harm to the end user, you have to have a risk mitigation strategy for that. And I think I'll stop boring. right there. Yeah, and it's it's a lot of fucking work. Yes. It's, ter it's just terrible. And on top of that, I think both of our companies are at the same level of silliness for that. So we, at some point, decided that we will use Confluence for this. Yes. And that oh wasn't God, the why? best decision ever. No, man, why? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, the, in all yeah. its fairness, I can say at least they have Markdown now. So. <laughs> kind of. Wow, it's not progress. even real Markdown. I'm so glad I don't well, use this It's anymore. something...
Guys, I feel very conflicted about this because on the one hand, I completely feel your pain. Uh, the, the regulatory requirements of certain activities are just so far away from what agile um, methodologies uh, are, are all about. But at the same time, I feel like there's a little bit of an elephant in the room in software development, which is that most of us are not really so good at our jobs. You know what I mean? Um, not that we can't develop software, but like, would you trust the average software engineer to... Oh yeah, de developing the quality software is another story. Yes, so would an average software engineer write code that you would trust to run your pacemaker? No. That's yeah. what I mean. It would run... It would run and on their pacemaker, uh, but then it would fail. If Man, that was, was good. That was good. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> title, title, episode title works on my pacemaker. Done. Damn it. Yes. <laughs> yes. I agree. So, so I get why you need all this regulation. I get why you need all of these processes. I mean, they happen to be really far apart from your everyday practice, uh, which is a problem, but. I, I, I have no answer for this. Like, how do you comply with regulation, which is there for a very good reason, and still manage to not slow down too much, you know? I mean, overall, overall, you you know, like most of the work they're going to do for regulators is a one-off kind of thing. It's just setting the process up and trying to automate the most out of it. And you're still going to have like, bits here and there where you have to do it manually and that's acceptable the problem is the first stretch of actually having the process in place and then mapping out everything that maxine just said that is the worst ever but then the ben benefits will come at some point i feel like a lot of it is um forgetting the past where software development how, how far it's come in the last 15, 20 years. So um, we kind of remember, so all of, all of us remember kind of working in chaotic environments, but it's, it's difficult to, to remember what it was like before agile, whatever you think of that word and, and the stigma that has kind of evolved to come with it before that became the norm, right? Because the problem that was, or lightweight methodologies, as they were called back in 2000-ish, the, the problem that they were solving was that you would give a software developer, usually one or two software developers, because you didn't have teams then, and you would give them a project and they would, you would give them the, the functional spec. It's a low, I, I know you're going to like that one. You were given the 300 page document and say, go build oh, this. Oh no, I just remembered. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you, you know, they would go away for three years. You wouldn't hear anything. And then they come back and they go, here's, here's the software. We built it exactly according to spec from three years ago. And everything has changed since then. So while we you know, kind of laugh. Oh, these auditors want us to deploy, you know, they, they can't believe we're deploying more than once a week or something, well, for example, right? That's still, that was still just unthinkably fast. Only 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Like, yep. because you would deploy monthly or every two months. Come on, there are still companies doing it this way. Of course there are. It's just, the, yeah. it's just not the majority of, of kind of, tech dude bro company no 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 what i meant there are still companies that are like super young and full of like excited developers are still doing it this way just because like deploying things fast and often is also not that easy yeah it's not easy yeah like even if you're like a company of one person or like i don't know five people doing things that aren't like you don't still the pressure from product and all the other things are still yet to come it's still not that easy to deploy often i mean yeah but i just think it's a whole different ball game to the literal three-year project with no oh, communication no change i have to say though that uh we always 
uh, looked at it like all the uh, auditing processes and all the regulation and everything like it is trying to pull in a very different direction comparing to where let's say agile is trying to pull that's that's actually not true they are definitely lagging behind i wouldn't say that they are like on top of all the um current methodologies they do lag behind but they are not there to slow you down it's just the amount of what we can loosely call overhead uh complying to their standards bring is very like it's it's a lot of overhead so staying agile with that overhead is hard but it's yes. not that they are trying to tell you to stop being agile they they don't even yeah. care like it, it, for them it's fine you want to do your agile thing whatever that is you want to be super fast you want to deploy 50 times a day go ahead but you need to provide all this evidence for everything that you've done so if you're able to deploy 50 times a day and provide evidence sure they're fine yeah yep true it's just uh i mean you know this that quite often we we just skip certain steps of let's say a deployment or something just because we don't need them like aforementioned checklist like we know that it's good to check things yeah, but they, but who really who really cares if we ever deploy check things every company made in good faith when github released those templates <laughs> And every every company, but I've checked this, I've checked that. Yeah, yep. I did that. I did that. And they, I mean, yeah. Anybody remembers Pooaproof? Well, uh, I mean, yeah. it's, oh, it's yeah. even yeah. But I mean, you know, it just becomes a box ticking exercise rather than yeah. exactly like Pooaproof was for us for a while. It was just like, yeah, I approved this. I didn't even look at it. Yeah, but that's another thing now. After like my company it, it didn't really go yet it's still going through the process uh apparently what was happening um at hellofresh where like we saw bulletproof for the first time there uh, most of engineers were completely shielded from the uh, audit process like mm -hmm. entirely the 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 wasn't the goal wasn't to make sure that everyone lives by it the goal was make sure that we get successful audit done True. that's unfortunately not how it works i mean you can do it as a one-off thing but if you really wanna uh like if you really want to go somewhere with it if you really want to achieve something you need to make sure that everyone lives by it like our consultant told us the other day that first uh from fda's and uh tooth's perspective the mere fact of people talking to each other discussing things and caring for quality more than they did yesterday is already a huge improvement for them they are so happy that at least anything is being done I i'm not trying to say that oh it you just did this and everyone's happy and then you don't have to actually be compliant no, no no you still have but they do understand they aren't idiots they do know that you ticking every box doesn't necessarily mean that you actually did it mm -hmm. but this whole big process it actually brings a lot of awareness oh obviously like given that you made sure that everyone who is part of the process is actually part of the process true and they are not you know they're not completely oblivious to the fact that you you can actually argue with them and say look this isn't reasonable and can we find a middle ground and they are actually pretty acceptable like they they normally try to help you out and you know accommodate your process whatever it is into the minimum required uh, checklist that you have to go through so that is that is definitely a positive thing i would say yeah, yeah. another thing that made me and some other people at Clue think very different about it. I'm not like trying to be super, uh, I don't know what the word is. Okay, let me just say it and then maybe 
we'll figure out how to call it. So uh, you go through this risk analysis and then for every component and software requirement, you put a bunch of things there. And among other things, you put uh, something that is uh, called harm. And there are five levels of severity of harm. And one is like something just mildly uncomfortable, yada, yada, yada. And the five is basically death. Like your end user dies. And this was quite sobering experience so to call it that's a hell of a vibrate function you guys built into your app <laughs> this this is just this makes you think very different about all this regulation process i i think that's a really interesting completely different topic but really interesting uh just understanding the real world consequences of the software you develop like oh, for example absolutely. for example you know if something goes wrong so you know we're in the hospitality industry if something goes wrong with with what we do well right now we're in the middle of a global pandemic and so no one notices but like during normal times when something goes wrong that means that someone's stuck outside their apartment in the middle of the night potentially in a dodgy area of town oh story with, time with no well i mean i i don't have any good specific anecdotes for oh this, i do but, oh, i i do have a real story from my friend who got stuck in a shady neighborhood in paris right Pro probably wasn't our fault just just no no what was wasn't your fault <laughs> was airbnb yeah yeah same thing same thing last year we were in seoul and we locked ourselves out of our apartments and all of our stuff was in there and I'm not sure if this is through Airbnb's engineering fault or if this is just the way the product is designed or a combination of both things, but things transpired in such a way that we didn't have access to my wife's accounts on her phone and we couldn't log back in without a text message which she couldn't get because we were using a travel SIM card and her actual SIM card was inside of the apartments. And there was no way for us to verify our identity to Airbnb and also no way to reach the host directly. And if it wasn't for a fortuitous cleaning lady who happens to be um, at the building at the time, we, we, we would have literally had no way to reach out to Airbnb and prove our um, our identity um, in, in, in useful time. And because of the way that the app behaved, which is why we got like logged out accidentally and then logged out, that's why I say like this is like something as trivial as a bug that causes your app to log out to the user is something that I don't think, you know, I don't think that I would, while I was an engineer, really lose much sleep over it um, when I was less experienced because who cares? I'll just log back in. Right. But no, what if they're outside in a shady area of a foreign city, all of their stuff is locked inside. And because they're accidentally logged out, they can't log back in and they're hosed. This, the, these things are, uh, I, th I think it's about awareness of the implications of things. That's really hard to have, right? As a, as a developer, you sometimes are so, removed from the end use case and from the corner cases and maybe you don't use the application yourself and this is especially true for like health related software um that you just have a world full of applications that don't really work so well and that you can't really rely on them so much i mean i'm I, every time i log out of my password manager i'm scared <laughs> oh yeah what if it doesn't log you back in right yes yeah, see, it matches what the consultant uh, said, the thing I mentioned before. We had, like, what, just 45-minute long conversation about this. And some of us are slightly more aware of the things than we were before. So if you as a company start living by it, like, your awareness increases quite a bit. And you really, like as a developer and a QA engineer and the product person and whoever else in the company, you really start thinking about these things. It becomes second nature. 
Yeah, th this is why I personally struggle with objections to things like RFCs, to things like properly documenting your software, to things like uh, testing your software, because I understand that in a lot of applications, it's not such a big deal. No one's going to die if your application logs out ac accidentally or whatever it is. But I also think, what a privilege. What, a, what an actual privilege to work in a field where you're paid really well compared to most people and you can afford to not take it super seriously. Because for me, that's what it is about. You know, you don't want to test, you don't want to document, you don't want to think things, things through, you don't want to think about corner cases. You're not taking it seriously. Being a professional doesn't mean that you show up to work and you work on whatever is fun today. It means you show up to do the actual work. A bus driver doesn't get to complain that there's traffic. Yeah, and, I've been and, doing and a drone all my life. That's that's what the problem is. Um, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Continue. <laughs> and look, I think it's great. I think it's actually great. It's a great thing, and I wish that more people would benefit from such a relaxed work environment. Um, and I know that it's not relaxed a lot of the time, but it, you know, I wish more people had this privilege. Um, and I think that we are very poor custodians of that privilege a lot of the time, unfortunately. And, and even when things are not, are stressful, you know, think back to when, you know, all of the servers were down and we needed to all wake up at 4 a.m. and go solve the problem. The only reason the problem existed in the first place was because we never thought to do what a real engineer does, which is stress test your prototype. See how it fails before the thing goes live. A, 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 a bridge engineer would never just ship it and see if it holds a bunch of trucks. Oh, yeah. You know, you're expected so to know how and when it's going to fail. Ship the whole thing on a T1 micro database. Exactly. Like, we would never do that. Yeah, and at no, the same never, time, never. we stress some simpler matters too much. We can argue endlessly about how to name a stupid database. I, I, I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It still does. But I think sometimes we do stress about those sort of less important on. things way more than we should. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, doing it right is boring, right? Uh, oh, that's true. <laughs> there's a lot of boredom. There's a lot of tedi uh, tedium to um, to testing, to documenting, to, to all those things. Yeah, but uh, that's so also the it. whole another topic of like, Obviously, it's boring if you have to do it manually every time. Yes. That's that's why you try to, like, automate the shit out of it. Uh, it's I, obviously yeah, but, not going to solve but, everything. But if, if you automate too much, then it's never going to really go into the human part of the workflow. You know what I mean? Like documentation, for instance. Um, there's something that I love and hate at the same time, which is, you know, API auto-documentation libraries things like OpenAPI and Swagger, where you're like, okay, I'm annotating all my code. I know the types. I know the endpoints. I know the methods. It's documented. Um, first of all, it's not going through your own um, thought process. You're not thinking of what this documentation is going to look like. You're just making a bunch of assumptions based on what you know the library does and what you've seen before, but you never check it because you just trust it to be good. Um, so this is, th th this is a little bit of automated documentation process that just doesn't happen with humans. And then one day someone outside your team needs to use that API. They go to the documentation and it tells you everything you need to know about the endpoints and the models and the methods and the types. But because you named something in a weird way and because there's no actual description, who knows what the endpoint does? You know, true. Yeah. And you as the author just assume that it is clear just because of all the context you have in your head. Yeah. You read so this and you're yeah. like, clear as day. Yeah. 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 No, automation is great. Absolutely make sure to use it. But I think that when you start relying on it as a substitute for a little bit of human attention, you, you get as many problems as if you didn't have any documentation at all. Oh yeah, absolutely not. Like mm -hmm. use automation to automate the sort of tedious manual 
bits, but yeah, not not this kind of things. Like documentation is not that one tedious bit that is annoying. And please write the documentation and do the tedious manual bits first. Documentation first, design first, get that out of the way. Man, don't working. like write code and then rely on annotations to 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 document it because it's just, it's just not going to work. Turns out work is work. Who knew? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah apparently. Turns out yeah, you, you can't automate get... yourself out of a job. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a job. Oh yeah, I've been trying Pretty to automate much. myself out of a job for the last ten years. No, <laughs> I had like very very poor results to show. Doesn't work for that. No. Shall we wrap this uh, this puppy up? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You guys have been listening to the first slightly professional episode we've made of the Critical Channel, which you can find at criticalchannel.io. At least I just looked that up and it's available, so you will be able to find it there. Very sure. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> That is good to know. <laughs> and done. Uh, yeah. So if you want to know any more about me, my name is Kieran. You can find me at Kieran AJP uh, on Twitter and anywhere, honestly, anywhere else on the internet. I just use that all the time. Uh, I am joined by uh, Pedro. Do you want to? Do you want to chip in with? Yeah, that's me, Pedro. I'm a huge nerd, programmer, person. Uh, you can find me at PGS Candeish, uh, which is a Portuguese word. So you're probably just better off looking in the description. Um, that's me on GitHub, Twitter, pretty much everywhere as well. And I am joined by Maxime. Yeah. Hey everyone. And my Twitter username is kind of hard to pronounce. So I think we'll put something in the description for you to find. Criticalchannel.io Critical channel. Damn it. <laughs> and Critical it's channel, which is inspired by a true story. <laughs> One for another time. And it's low. Uh, yeah. It, and no different. My name is very hard to pronounce. It's, <laughs> you can find me in Twitter at Italo Lelis. Uh, better off in the description. And that's it. Okay. And everyone, uh, if you want to hit us up, like I say, criticalchannel.io, and we will have a way to get in touch from there. So thank you all for listening, and good night, I guess. <laughs>